Hello, everybody. I'm Around the Rings editor Ed Hula. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Around the Rings Radio, coming to you from the convention floor at Sport Accord Convention 2017 here in Aarhus, Denmark. Our latest guest is the president of UCI, the International Federation for Cycling, Brian Cookson. Thanks very much for taking the time to talk with us today. No problem. No problem. Uh, I guess the the big thing for cycling right now in terms of uh, the Olympics is looking ahead towards the Tokyo 2020 Games. Sure. And uh, what can you say about, first of all, the, the, the plans, how they're coming forward right now? Well, we're, we're working very closely with the Tokyo 2020 people, as you would imagine. Uh, we uh, are looking at uh, improving uh, the velodrome that exists out at uh, Izu, which is uh, a bit of a distance out from uh, from Tokyo, but nevertheless a nice facility, and we're looking at expanding that. And we're also uh, in discussion with the IOC about the uh, the program, not just for the track, but also for uh, uh, the road, for BMX, and for mountain bike as well. Uh, we're in discussion with Tokyo 2020 about the route for the road races. Uh, we still haven't finalized that yet, so there's still a lot of work to do, but we have good cooperation from Tokyo 2020, and I'm sure we'll get a good result. Yeah, disappointed, of course, that the velodrome will not be closer to Tokyo itself. Any kind of accommodations or adjustments that are being made to, to make it a, a better proposition for you to be in Izu City? Well, absolutely, and that's something that we've been discussing with both Tokyo 2020 and with the IOC uh, for the last uh, several months. Uh, we're close, I think, to a conclusion of that now. I can't uh, prejudge the outcome of the uh, Programme Commission or, uh, uh, or any of the uh, negotiations and discussions, but I'm hopeful that uh, we may well be able to see an increase perhaps in the number of medals available for the track discipline. Uh, and we'll also have a look at uh, other innovations like uh, whether the time is ready to bring BMX freestyle into the games, whether we can look at some other adjustments here and there in the road program, in the, uh, in the uh, mountain bike and BMX uh, programs as well. And everything in cycling is not in Izu City. Could you kind of set the landscape for our listeners as to where, where the different cycling events are going to be? Well, in Tokyo. Well, the track will be out at Izu. That's a couple of hours by train outside of Tokyo, which is not ideal, but it's something that uh, we have, uh, uh, we are going to have to live with. We've uh, negotiated hard to try and get favourable um, uh, circumstances out there. The mountain bike will possibly be in the same part of uh, Tokyo as well, because oh, it's in part of Japan, I should say, because that's uh, a great uh, part of uh, the world for mountain biking. We're also looking at BMX being in downtown Tokyo and the road races are still, well, we're still in discussion about that and we'd like to get a route that takes in Mount Fuji, uh, but also perhaps some of the highlights of uh, Tokyo City as well. Yeah, so uh, overall feel confident about how things are moving. Is there, besides the road race course, is there anything really big to be settled yet? Well, the, uh, I think the uh, medal program is still to be settled and uh, we'll see what comes out of the program commission and the decisions that are made over the next few, few weeks and hopefully we'll get an announcement in the middle of this year about exactly uh, what's, which events will be in the program. 
it's I think as a number of people have said that's that's a little bit short notice really I think all of us international federations would prefer longer notice to know if and when there are going to be changes in the medals uh, uh, in the events that are available in, in the Olympic Games not just uh, that's not just for cycling that's for all sports and you mentioned uh, freestyle uh, BMX is that right yeah uh, what's that like and what other kind of disciplines that aren't very common right now might you be looking at to bring back in, well we'd love to see cycle. we'd love to see the madison back on the track uh, both for men and women that's a, a flying relay two two rider relay and it's an exciting and spectacular uh, event that a lot of nations can can do well in and hope to qualify in so this is something that's expanding uh, would expand the track program but it's uh, it's a great discipline it's uh, been an olympic event before but only for the men uh, we've made a lot of effort to bring women into our sport and we're developing women's cycling very very strongly so we want to have as much equality and parity as we possibly can if i look at uh, perhaps uh, the younger disciplines in, in our sport like freestyle bmx you can perhaps compare it to snowboarding or skateboarding where it's spectacular it's acrobatic it's tricks it's uh, aerial uh, uh, acrobatics and so on so these are things that are quite uh, attractive to a young audience and therefore obviously quite attractive to the ioc but uh, you know i don't want to do things at the expense of the traditions of our sport we've got a great heritage in our sport uh, not just in road racing but in track uh, and it's developing in mountain bike and bmx as well and those are things that I think any sport should respect, not just to bring in uh, innovation, but to respect uh, the sport's heritage as well. And as far, are you up against the, the limit as far as numbers of athletes, your athlete quota in terms of the disciplines and number of different events that you can well, have? Well, we are looking at a limited amount of expansion if we possibly can, but uh, obviously this is something that we're still in discussion with the IOC about. There's always pressure to keep the numbers down, to keep the numbers of medals uh, to a certain limit as well, but we think we can make a good case out for a, a limited amount of expansion here and there. And how many cyclists did you have for Rio de Janeiro? Uh, I think we had about... Over, about 500 was yeah. it 400 something uh, in that region yeah, yeah so it would be about that number for tokyo uh, a little bit you know, of an increase is what we're looking at yeah, yeah. Uh, as as the sport international sport movement confronts the issue of bringing more young people into sport getting more people interested in olympic sports do you feel that cycling has that same challenge same difficulty that maybe some other sports well I think that uh, what has been shown in those parts of the world where they have invested in youth development programs in bringing young people into sport, there is as much uh, appetite for sport, for our sport, as there has ever been. Cycling, in fact, is booming and thriving in many parts of the world, and it's not just uh, a, an older uh, participation level, it's, uh, it's at the youth level as well. So I think if you the lesson that I've learned over the years, and I was 17 years as a National Federation President in, in Great Britain, the lesson I learned is that, is that young people don't just come into sport anymore, you have to go out there and get them. Uh, you have to find ways of recruiting them. You know, in the old uh, days, a, a couple of generations ago, there would always be a few people in every town and village who went into a particular sport in any given year. Uh, there are now much more uh, obvious challenges to people, to young people now, uh, computer games and so on. But there is a lot of interest out there. If you get the programs right, if you get the development support right, you can bring young people into sport 
with just as much enthusiasm as ever. And frankly, I think we have a responsibility to society to keep doing that because what are the problems of developed society? There are lack of exercise, there are obesity, there are environmental pollution, there are uh, transport and traffic issues and so on. And those are things that in our case, the, the humble bike can help all of those. So if we can inspire people by elite level sport to take up cycling as a pastime, uh, as a means of transport, then that's got to be a great thing. The uh, 2024 Olympics have Los Angeles and Paris as the, the two contenders. They're both cities with strong cycling sure. heritage. Yeah. Uh, your federation has reviewed the plans for both cities. Yeah. Any observations on uh, on the two? Well, you know, I think both cities could uh, deliver a fantastic Olympic Games. Uh, you know, I'm uh, not going to be in a position to to vote one way or the other. So I'll uh, I'll hedge my bets and say uh, uh, we would uh, we'll be very supportive of whichever city is successful, and I'm sure. Uh, you know, both Paris and Los Angeles can do a great job. And on, a, of course, a very serious note of the fight against doping, mm -hmm. the federations are all looking at the next phase, the next stage of how to fight doping on a worldwide basis. Uh, cycling, any input there that yeah, well, you, you know, would like to see happen? Well, we're hearing a lot of things now from IOC, from WADA and others about how there's a need for independence in uh, anti-doping and so on. Well, I think, you know, we have learned a lot over the last uh, couple of decades and we have put in place genuinely independent processes now. So I don't get involved as an international federation president in our anti-doping. We have a body called the Cycling Anti-Doping Foundation, which is entirely independent. It uh, doesn't have any board members in common with the UCI. Uh, it's completely independent. We have a legal team that uh, deals with the case management that is supervised by an external legal counsel, not by anyone within the UCI. So all of those processes have been well adapted and uh, well engineered over recent years because of the problems that we've faced in cycling. So if things are going to change, and, and, and I should say that, that they are hugely supported by WADA, cycling used to be, UCI used to be in constant conflict with the, the World Anti-Doping Agency and we, when I was elected, we put that right straight away, we've resolved any differences that we had, we've got good relationships with them, we've got good relationships with USADA, uh, with lots of other national anti-doping uh, organizations and I think we've, we've worked really hard to restore credibility of our sport in anti-doping. We've worked really hard to give it back that integrity to uh, deliver genuine independence in anti-doping. So there's no possibility of me sweeping anything under the carpet. Not that I would want to even if I could. So we've got things established very, very well. So if things are going to change, if there's going to be a, an overall body that uh, has different uh, uh, responsibilities and, and so on, uh, that all sports are going to be part of, then I want to make sure that it's at least as good as what we've got now because I believe we've got a very good system in place now that has great integrity, genuine independence, and is fully supported uh, by the World Anti-Doping Agency. Is going to be used as a model? Well, I'm, I'm, look, I'm not complacent or smug at all about any of this, and it's something that requires uh, constant attention and, and vigilance. But we are happy to cooperate with WADA, with IOC, with all the other international federations. If anyone thinks that they can learn from us, then we are happy about that. But we've got something that we believe works very well now for our sport. Brian Cookson, president of UCI, thanks for being our guest today. You're welcome.
Thank you. This is the latest edition of Around the Rings Radio. I'm Around the Rings editor Ed Hula at Sport Accord Convention 2017 in Aarhus, Denmark. See you next time. Thanks for listening.